Pod Show is pleased to bring you the following killer content direct from the all-new feature-rich podshow.com. Get it, play it, dig it. The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 9. Today, the Bible Study Podcast looks at Luke's version of the Christmas story. If you're a fan of the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and really who couldn't be, You've already heard the verse that we're going to deal with today, which comes from Luke 2, the beginning of the chapter. At one point in the Charlie Brown Christmas story, Charlie Brown says, Does anybody really know the meaning of Christmas? And Linus goes up on stage and reads this story. Starting in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the last two weeks, we looked at Matthew's account of the Christmas story, which focuses in on Joseph more than Mary. Luke's account tends to focus in on Mary, and Luke's account talks about shepherds, as we'll see in a bit, instead of the wise men, which Matthew brings up. So they just point out different parts of the story. Luke actually started his part of the story one chapter earlier, so I should go back there a bit. Uh, When Luke opens his gospel, he talks about two different births. He talks about the birth of John the Baptist being foretold, and actually spends more time talking about that than he does the birth of Jesus. So go back and check that out on your own but I will read one particular part of chapter 1, and this is chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and this is when Mary hears that she's going to have a baby. Matthew told us in his account of the dream that Joseph had where an angel appeared, and Mary also had a visitation. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. And in the first chapter, then Mary goes on and spends some time with Elizabeth. We get a very beautiful section in there called the Magnificat, or Mary's Song, which starts with, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And then the rest of chapter 1 finishes with the birth of John the Baptist. And again, go back and check out all of that. But... Then finally Luke gets to this part here in Luke 2. 
The first interesting part of this is probably the part that you found the least interesting, which is this mention of Augustus and Quirinius. And the first thing that Luke does here is he establishes this as a historic event. This is exactly when this happened, when this fellow was governor, when this fellow was emperor. This is something that did happen, and Luke puts it in its right time. Luke got some bad press for a number of years because early scholars back in the 1700s said that Quirinius and Augustus weren't governor and emperor at the same time period, so Luke couldn't possibly be wrong. But as in many other areas, when archaeology started being done in that area of the Middle East, they found things that verified Luke's account. It turns out Quirinius was governor of of Syria twice, and that second time did in fact overlap when Augustus was was emperor of Rome. And so, having established this as a historic event, Luke then goes on to say, Joseph was in Nazareth, but we already saw from Matthew's account that the prophets had said that the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. There's no reason why Joseph would normally leave Nazareth and his work and go to Bethlehem just to make sure some prophecy got fulfilled. And so, God actually gets involved, Augustus Caesar, who gets all of the world to go back to where their hometown is. And so Joseph picks up, leaves his job for a while, and takes his very pregnant fiance, well, wife at this point, and then goes down and makes the journey to to Bethlehem because he belongs to the house and lineage of David. And Bethlehem is where that particular line comes from. And just as a side note, in case you didn't realize how powerful Augustus Caesar was, the fact that he's doing this is no big deal. He also changed your calendar. He and his uncle, before him Julius Caesar, added in the months of July and August. And that's the reason why the months of September, October, November, and December, which literally come from 7, 8, 9, and 10, are actually the months 9, 10, 11, and 12 in the calendar. And this section ends, of course, with Mary taking the new baby Jesus and laying him in, wrapping him in cloths and laying him in a manger or laying him in a uh, feeding trough, basically, because there's no room for them in the end. Now, Bethlehem would be a small town, so there wouldn't be a lot of space for travelers, but it is noticeable here that no one gives up what little space there is for this very pregnant woman. Uh, She is not a rich woman. And Luke begins his account basically while Matthew is focusing on Jesus coming as Messiah. And so he mentions some things that Luke doesn't. He mentions the coming of people looking for the new king. Luke is also talking, because he is aiming his gospel at the Greeks, at Jesus coming for everyone. And so he points out some of these, uh, some of the poorness of Jesus and some of the situation into which Jesus was born. And then he continues on in verse 8 of chapter 2 of Luke. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. A couple things to point out in this particular account. The first thing that I notice as I look at this is, while the shepherds are just minding their own business here, suddenly an angel appears, and they're terrified. I don't know if you've noticed this, but this is the third time we've had the appearance of an angel in the last three weeks that we've been studying. The appearance to Joseph, the appearance to Mary, and now the appearance here to the angels. Uh, and now the appearance here to the shepherds. And in all cases, the response is fear. The Bible doesn't say what angels look like. It doesn't describe halos. It doesn't describe wings, or at least in most of these accounts, it doesn't talk about anybody look like looks like that. But it does talk about the glory of the Lord that somehow these messengers, and that's what the word angel means, these message, messengers from God, shone basically with the glory of God. They showed just a little bit of the glory of God, some reflected part of his nature, and it was terrifying. The glory of God is that amazing. The Shekinah is the Hebrew word. We see back in the Old Testament that when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments and he came back down, people said, we can't bear to look at you because your face shines so much from being with God. And he didn't even get to see the face of God. So here we get just a little glimpse of the glory of God here, and it's scary. And then as always, the angels, the first thing they say is, don't be afraid. And they tell them this good news about what's going on. It's interesting that God should choose to announce this to shepherds. Shepherds is certainly a lowly profession, which is one of the reasons probably that Luke brings out this particular story rather than mentioning about the wise men. But also, Jesus has two particular roles that are tied up with this shepherd thing. He will be called later on both the good shepherd and the lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb. The lambs at this point are used for sacrifice. And... these shepherds, in fact, may be because the um, the lambs that are kept for the sacrifice for the temple in Jerusalem are kept near Bethlehem. These may, in fact, be the shepherds who are watching over the very sacrificial lambs whose place Jesus will take. At least for us Christians, one of the reasons that we don't offer sacrifice of animals anymore is because that was just a foreshadowing of the perfect sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. And with that, it looks like we're out of time. And so let me close this by saying to you and yours, Merry Christmas, and may you also find the Christ child today and join the shepherds in glorifying and praising God for all the things you have heard and seen. If you want to leave feedback on this episode, go to thebiblestudypodcast.com or send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. This is your host, Chris Christensen, and thanks so much for listening. The best and the brightest served up daily by the sharpest minds in content delivery, pod show, and limelight. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? 
maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too. Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stressless podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's word to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.